chapter 2, John chapter 2, and uh, I just believe that the Lord wants to speak to somebody today. He's already been speaking. Um, the one last thing that I did want to mention is keep Paula Schmidt and her family in your prayers this week. The service to honor Jim's life will be Saturday uh, here at the church. The visitation will be 10 and the service will be 11 and we'll come and honor Jim and his life. But keep the uh, family and the children and grandchildren all in your prayers this week as they get everything planned and ordered for that service. Praise God. John chapter 2. Verse number one, and the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there, and both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatever he says to, do, to you, do it. And there were set there six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece. And Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast, and they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine, and when men have well drunk, then that which is worse. But thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. And I want to, with the help of the Lord, share what he's laid on my heart this week Simply the power of an empty vessel. The power of an empty vessel. Um, God has always looked for empty vessels. And, and I'm going to get to that in, in just a little bit. But I believe that this miracle was the first of the miracles. And I don't think Jesus does anything accidentally. If you're here today in his presence today, you're not here because of an accident. It just didn't occur to you to get up and go to church. It just didn't occur to God to show up at the church. It just wasn't an act. It's been planned. It's ordained of God. God doesn't do anything by accident. He intersects uh, the timing of our life at just the right moment so that you and I can connect to him. And I believe that this miracle in Cana is the first of his miracles for a couple of divine reasons. Number one, we talked about this a little bit last week, that I believe that God's ultimate purpose or original purpose for all of time, space, and matter was to establish his kingdom on earth and his family on earth. And when God said, let there be, he created time, space, and matter. Before then, there wasn't any. And so he creates it, and he creates it so that he could establish his kingdom on the earth and his family on the earth. And wrapped up in Jesus' first miracle is the establishment of the kingdom, which is the miraculous. It's that which was not, but now it is. And it's at a marriage, establishing a family. And that's just one aspect. But I want to, more than the actual miracle of the water turning into wine, I want to pull from this passage of scripture 
the power that's in an empty vessel. If there were not six water pots empty laying around that could be filled, the miracle may not have happened. And from the beginning of time, God has always used the empty vessel in order to release whatever he is releasing into the world. I think back to the woman that the prophet dealt with. Go and get all the vessels you can and fill them up. And, and, and as many as you can fill up and, and, and make sure they're all empty so that they can fill. You see, here's the thing. The vessel is not important. It could have been a cup, a gallon. It could have been a pint or a quart. It could have been a bucket. It could have been a glass. It could have been a box. It was just needing to be a vessel. And it just so happened that there were six empty vessels there, and Jesus said, fill them up. Now, now here's the important thing. <clears throat> what was the value when you look at the miracle that Jesus did, did, the value comes out in the fact that the water turns to wine and saves the feast, right? The vessel isn't of value, but what gets put into the vessel creates the value of the vessel. And my God today has stepped in this house looking for an empty vessel. It doesn't matter what shape it's in. It doesn't matter what good or not good it is. It doesn't matter how it looks. He's just looking for somebody to create an empty space that he can fill. Because when he fills the empty space, that's when you become valuable. Now, the reason... Why I believe that he used this miracle at the beginning is because he wanted people to understand. And it will tie together from the very beginning of creation that the way God does things is very important to understand because if it's not for the vessels that were empty, his spirit cannot move. The wine of the New Testament is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. Now, I believe that Jesus used real water and turned it into real wine. But symbolically, you can look at wine as the Holy Ghost. God is looking for some empty vessels to put some spirit into, to connect with mankind. Now, now I believe that God does this or did this from the very beginning. Do you know in Genesis chapter 1 that when he created man and woman in 26, 27, and 28, God released the dominion and authority of the earth or the kingdom of God on earth. He turned it over to Adam and Eve. And he said, you will have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and every living creature. And you will be the one that is representative of my kingdom. And so Adam and Eve were created, not spoken into being. Now, you have to get that. Because everything, all of space and matter that's around us, God spoke into existence. 
but he took the time to form an earthen vessel. He took the time to create Adam and Eve. It was his hand, it was his masterpiece, it was his handiwork. It was God creating in his own image a vessel that would be of honor unto him. But Adam and Eve messed up. And they listened to the serpent. And they disobeyed God. And there was a breaking of communion and fellowship with the formation of God and God. With God, with the, the vessel that God created and God himself. And the reason that it happened was because a serpent crawled into the kingdom. Now, how many know that the devil is not a serpent? You no, know, you have to get this. This is this is important to understand. And I'm praying that you'll wrap your arms and your head around this. God designed entrance into the kingdom to be through the formation of God's creation. When he created them, Adam and Eve, and breathed into them the living spirit of God, they became living souls. They became leaders and dominance of the kingdom of God on earth by God's hands. And God does not even break his own laws. So from that moment on when Adam and Eve stepped out of their rightful place, God doesn't come in and try to twist your arm. He doesn't come and try to force you to do anything. He's looking for an open vessel that says, here am I, Lord, come to me. Because he will not violate what he established at the beginning. He will not step in and alter things without your permission because he has created you in his image. And he doesn't need permission from anybody, but he has created the law, if you will, or his own law that he will not violate. And so when he came to earth in the Old Testament, he looked for empty vessels. And so the emptiness of the holy of holies he'd settle into that place and the people would see the majesty of god he 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 would look for that empty person that and he would use people like david and abraham to be vessels of honor unto him can i tell you what was going on throughout the old testament was god was trying to get man to understand that Satan violated and illegally took control of the kingdom. Let let me tell you why. I just said that Satan is not the serpent. Satan is spirit. There is a spiritual realm and there is a natural realm. And God created the spirit realm to be separate from the natural realm unless there was a vessel that the spirit would be able to encompany. And so everything, that's why the church is important because he does things through vessels. And Satan, who John describes as a thief and a robber, was looking for the same kind of vessel. 
because he had no authority. He had no way of communicating with Adam and Eve. There was a separation between the spirit world and the natural world. And so the spirit of Satan, the evil spirit of the created angel Lucifer, looked for an empty vessel, and he found one. And so he comes to Eve in the form of the serpent. Now, can I just tell you, I don't know what that serpent looked like. The black mamba, I don't know. In fact, we don't even know. He may have even had, the serpent may have had legs before the curse that God put on him. Because God said, from now on, you're crawling on your belly. Can I tell you the curse that he put on the snake was because he allowed the spirit of Satan to use him as a vessel to steal, to rob, to break and enter into a kingdom that he was not designed to be in? You have to, you have to understand this. When the adversary deals with people, he does, have, does not have any legal authority to even show up. He's just looking for an empty vessel to fill. And because he forced his way into the kingdom and he was able to deceive Eve and Adam and Adam and Eve forfeited their dominion and their authority within the kingdom because they listened to the serpent. And here's the thing. There's only one of two ways to get into the royal bloodline of the kingdom. You are either adopted or you are born. Satan had no authority to take an empty vessel, which was a serpent, and step into a kingdom that was not his. He was in the midst of breaking and entering. And he has been breaking and entering ever since. And every time he steps into an area or a situation of our life, he's doing so illegally. But you have to understand the way God works. I just said that he does not violate his laws. And so God himself said, I can't really enter the kingdom illegally like Lucifer has tried to do. So I'm going to do something different. I'm going to look for an empty vessel. Not that I can come in and possess but I'm going to look for an empty vessel that I can come in and be born into. And so he finds the young lady Mary, and the lady Mary says, Oh, behold, am I doing to me as you will. And so the Bible says that the Virgin Mary conceived a child that was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and birthed a child. And the vessel of Jesus Christ was the legal representation of the kingdom. Not because he tried to force his way in, but because he was born into the system. And because he was born into the system, he created an avenue where each and every one of us can now be born into the system of the kingdom of God. Empty vessels. 
See, the Bible tells us God is a spirit. God is a spirit. Why did he come as a human? Because that's the way he created him in the beginning. And the humanity that he created is the connect point between spirit and natural. Some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. Jesus, help us to get this today. Lord, help us to get the depths of it right now. Lord, I speak revelation into this house. I speak revelation into this house. Right now, God, by your authority and your word, Lord Jesus, help us to understand and receive what you're trying to say to the church. Here's what I believe is happening again. God is looking for empty vessels that he can come down and for lack of a better term can impregnate you with the power and the authority of the kingdom of God and the family of God and birth in you something that is not illegal but that is legal manifestation of his anointing in your world. You see, have you ever wondered in John chapter 3 why Jesus said to Nicodemus, except you be born of the water and of the spirit, you can't even enter the kingdom of God? I'll tell you why. Because the kingdom of God cannot be entered in without being born or adopted. And so almighty God came to this world and wrapped himself in flesh and was born into the natural even though he was spiritual so that those of us that are natural have the opportunity to be born into the spiritual. And now we have a connection, a reconnection, a redemption, a restoration of the way God designed it to be in the beginning. Our problem is that we don't take care of the vessel. I don't know why I even do that. I have so messed up my notes, it's not funny. We have so messed up our vessels because we believe our vessels are ours. Instead of a container for His Spirit, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. He wants to reside in you. He wants to envelop you. But if your vessel is full of other stuff, he will not clean the vessel out without your permission. He will not evacuate the territory. He will wait until you are able and willing to say, Lord, I am empty. Fill me up. You see, we get so consumed with the natural because we are natural based that we fail to realize that if we can just get the vessel cleaned and I'm not talking about ceremony, I'm just talking about get the junk out and then he has now got an opportunity to fill the vessel. 
Because here's the thing. God doesn't do anything without a vessel. I mean, you think about it. His glory is revealed when he creates a miracle within a vessel. This man was born sick. Who had sinned, this man or his parents? Nothing that, that the glory of God might be revealed. I don't know about you, but I wonder what that man was thinking when Jesus said that. Oh, thanks a lot, God. I've had to suffer for birth just on your behalf. See, I've got, I've got to say something. It's burning in my spirit. And, and Paul referenced it a little bit in Sunday school. Everything that happens to you may not be of the devil. I mentioned it last week. It may, not, it may be God. I've told you before, faith is going to get you into as much trouble as it will get you out of. It will place you in situations that are not comfortable. It will put you, what's he doing? He's trying to get you to empty your vessel. And usually when you get to the point of your desperation, you have given up on everything that's within you, and now you're looking for him. If we would get desperate from the beginning, we wouldn't have to go through half the stuff we have to go through. Because we'd be an empty vessel. God looks for empty vessels. Are you empty today? Think about it. We say, let's go to the cross. Find your place at the cross. Can I tell you why I can say that? Because the cross is empty. It's just filled with anointing. It's just filled with spirit. It's just filled with salvation. It's just filled with the blood of the lamb that washes me white as snow. Get to the cross. Did you, where did Jesus go when he died? It's not a trick question, by the way. He went to a tomb. A tomb that was what? Borrowed but empty. He was looking for an empty tomb to lay his borrowed body into. The one that was birthed by Mary, the Son of Man and the Son of God, was laid down in an empty tomb. It was designed to be filled with the body. But God was saying, I'm only going to borrow it because I'm not going to stick around. It's going to be empty once again because I'm going to rise from the dead. Can I tell you why he rose from the dead and didn't use that tomb forever? He borrowed it for three days because there is a principle that when you are not going to stay somewhere permanently, you do not purchase. You rent. You borrow, but my friend, 50 days later, when the day of Pentecost was fully come and they were all with one accord in one place, suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all 
filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Can I tell you the difference between the 120 believers in Acts 2 and the borrowed tomb? It was a permanent resting place. He had bought the people with his blood. He had bought the people with his blood. He had bought the people with his cross. And because he purchased that space, when he took up residence, they became the dwelling place of Jesus. Listen, he doesn't want to just dwell in you on Sundays. He doesn't want to just dwell on you when you're at chain breakers. He doesn't want to just dwell when you're together with the ladies or the men. He's wanting to dwell in you 24-7. You are the walking temple of Almighty God when you have emptied yourself out and you have allowed him to fill you with his anointing and his spirit, which tells me something. When you walk down the street, if the enemy tries to step in your way, he's doing it illegally. And you have the power. I'm going to say that again. You have the power. I'm not talking even the power through Jesus. I'm talking you have the power because he resides in you. You are his resting place. You are his house. You are his tabernacle. You are the kingdom and the family of God on earth. We aren't building buildings to build buildings. We are building people to build the kingdom. Are you empty enough to let him in? Or have you so cluttered your living room with the things of this world that he can't seem to find a space. Have we become earthly hoarders that limits where Jesus can walk? Or have we opened up the house and said, Jesus, it's all yours? Empty vessels. I, I want you to notice one last thing today. Those empty water pots, they just filled them with water. I See, when, when I think about these stories, these miracles, oh, uh, what were these guys thinking? Well, I'm just doing what Jesus said. I'm just putting some water in. It doesn't make sense to me. It, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't, I'm not, I'm not connecting the two. I'm not really getting it. How often do we do that? When God says, here, just put this in. Just go to this service. Just read this word. Pastor asks you to do this, so I'm just going to do it just because I'm asked to do it. I don't understand what he's doing and what he's putting in. 
I don't know when the miracle takes place. I don't know if the miracle takes place once the water is set in the pots or if when they begin to draw out. And I don't even know if it was when they drew out. I don't know if it was when it was put into the cup that was given to the governor. I don't know when the water turned to wine. All I know it did. And all I know is this. If the servants would not have put the water in, even though it didn't make sense, and even though it made probably no sense when they, can you imagine being the servant walking up with a drawn out water to put into the governor of the feast cup? You are putting your life on the line. And if God waited to change the water to wine until it was in the cup, can you imagine what those servants thought? Oh, my God. I'm putting it all on the line here. I hope Jesus is right. I hope something ha- something's got to happen. I am just of the opinion. This is Tim Sanders' version. I will not debate you theologically or apologetically. But I am of the belief that the wine... Was, or the water was turned into wine as the governor began to drink. Because God does everything which we think everything at the last minute. When we've done everything that he's asked us to do and we don't see any change, all of a sudden, It switches. At that moment when all of our works based on faith have been accomplished, he steps in at that moment and performs the miracle that gets you from point A to point B. Because here's what he knows. He knows that if he performs the miracle too early, You'll never bring it to the governor. He knows if you'll if he does it too early, you'll never they'll never understand the, the true depths of the goodness of God. But if he does it just at the right time, just when everything seems to be falling apart, just before we lose our sanity, just before fear overwhelms us, because we were empty vessels at that moment in time, everything that we put in turns to the miraculous power and anointing of God, and we step into the miraculous. I was talking to... Pastor Jerry up at the intensive this week, and we were talking, it was Dave and Dwayne and Jerry and I sitting around the lunch table, and we were talking about Bible quizzing, and uh, began to talk about all of the scripture that I have memorized, um, which is, at one time or another, I've memorized the entire New Testament except for Revelation. Because I didn't understand it. But could you, could I quote a scripture that you said just, you know, 1 Thessalonians 5 2. Well, that one I might be able to. <laughs> but when they shall say peace and safety, sudden destruction shall come upon them. Um, th- there may be some that, uh, that come right to mind. But, but it was water put in 
to an empty vessel. And I shared this a little on Wednesday of my testimony of having the opportunity to pursue one of two paths in lives at the age of 14. When I was going into ninth grade, I had heard my dad's testimony forever, and I had a choice. Do I follow the hockey route or do I follow the ministry route? And so I chose the ministry route. What was I doing? I didn't even realize what I was doing, but what I was doing was emptying my vessel. And God began to pour water in. And you want to know how he did it? He took my competitive nature and gave me something to learn. So I became a Bible quizzer. I wish I could tell you that I did it because I wanted to learn the scripture. I wish I could tell you that I was so holy that I just absorbed what God was putting into me. I just wanted to beat Paul Weisbrod's grandmother's team. Sister Weed, I wanted to beat St. Cloud. I wanted to beat Duluth. I wanted to beat Rochester. I, I wanted to be number one in the state of Minnesota. I wanted to beat the Eau Claire Church because we were rivals when it came to quizzing. It really had nothing to do with learning scripture. When I was in the midst, it was just water. There was no anointing as I was going through my flashcards, figuring out what the location was of what was being quoted. There was no anointing when I sat at the buzzer and began to time how I could buzz in and beat them. There was no anointing when I stood up and contested somebody else's answer. There was no, there was no anointing. I'll tell you when the anointing was, was when it came time for me to have to draw out from the wells that were filled with the water. And I began to minister to people. And when I began to minister to people, and when I preach his word, the scriptures just pour out of me because they had been poured into me back in that day. Don't mistake your water for nothing. God's been putting things in you since you started your walk with him, and yea, even before that. There are some of you that are sitting here today that God's been pouring into you for years, and you just think it's been water. It's just the thing that gets you by to the next week. I'm getting ready to tell somebody, if you're willing to be an empty vessel and begin to draw out that water which God has put in, it's going to turn into spirit for somebody. There is a fresh anointing that's coming on somebody. There is a fresh dynamic of the spirit that is ready to explode in somebody's life, not for you, but for those that you come into contact with. If you're willing to be empty, if you're willing to be empty, God's looking for it. God's looking for empty vessels. Here's what I'm fearful of in this day and age. I'm fearful that for some of us, if an angel of the Lord came and stood before us, number one, we wouldn't even recognize it as an angel. But number two, We'd be so full that the angel wouldn't even be able to give us anything. That moment that Mary dealt with the angel 
when she said, be it unto me according to thy word. What was she really saying? I'm empty, God. You can fill. That moment when the blind man received his miracle and Jesus asked him, what do you want that I might see? What was he saying? I'm emptying myself of everything else. Just do your work. Would you be willing today to say, Lord, I empty myself so you can fill me? And the filling may be momentarily just water, but there's soon coming a day when you'll intersect with somebody else's life and begin to speak spirit. There are some people, your fear has swallowed you up. And God is wanting to infuse you today with fear or with faith by pouring into you. But you've been so consumed by your fears that you're too unwilling to empty out the vessel. And there's nowhere to pour. And so as God begins to pour faith over you, because you're so full, it just spills over the side. And so you come to church on Sunday and you get a good feeling. You get the goosebumps of the Spirit, but nothing changes. And so you come back service after service almost like a, a withdrawal symptom that you just got to have it because you just need to, listen, he's got more than just the overflow for you. He wants to fill you to the uttermost. I invite you to stand. If from the beginning of time, God has been looking for empty vessels, if in fact God's means of reconciling and restoring the world unto himself was through an empty vessel, why would he stop today? It's a question that only you can answer for yourself. What's your life look like? What does your body look like? Are you full? Are you full of stuff that doesn't really matter? Stuff that's temporary? Because here's the thing. All temporary vessels are eventually going to die. But all empty vessels that are filled with him are going to constantly be renewed and refreshed. There's, there's some of you here that God has poured into you for years and you thought, if I can just hold him in, that'll be good. But God fills us up so that we can overflow to somebody else so that he can put something new back in. 
It's a cycle of the empty vessel. The more empty you are, the more he fills. The more you empty out, the more he fills. The more you give away, the more he gives. The more you bless, the more you get blessed. I have seen too many years, too many times through my years in the ministry and just living for God of frustrated Christians simply because they haven't figured out how to keep their vessel empty. The only way to keep your vessel empty is to draw out. Pull out and give away. And as you do, God goes. With every eye closed, if you're here today and you are just too full of the things of the natural, your life is too consumed with work and family and house and car and job and career and all of the hobbies and everything else and your calendar and your mind is all consumed with all these things that will just be temporary, I'm, I'm wanting you to just take a moment and say, Lord, help me figure out how to empty all of that stuff out. I'm not saying neglect it. I'm not saying get rid of it, but take it out of the center of who I am so that you can pour your water into me. Some of you here today are, are here and you're at that moment where you think that there is no hope for you. Can I just tell you, if you feel that there is no hope for you, it's exactly where you're at to get what you need because he's ready to fill you. He's ready to put hope where there's hopelessness. There's ready to put partnership where there's loneliness. There's re- he, he's ready to fill you to the uttermost. Then there are some of you here today that you've been filled but you've been trying to hoard your filling instead of giving it away. I'm asking you to be willing to look to God today and say, Lord, I give it all to you. Just keep filling me with your new stuff as I give away the stuff you give. Jesus, I now pray for each person here. Lord, I sense the power of your presence. In fact, Lord, I sense you looking for an empty vessel right now. Lord, in the days that you looked over humanity and found Mary, I'm asking you to look over humanity and find Spirit of Grace Church. Lord, I'm asking you to help us to empty all of the things that are temporary, all of the things that don't really mean all that much. Help us as individuals and as a corporate body, Lord, to create space within us for you to move in us, for you to fill us to overflowing. Lord, so that as you begin to fill us, we're able to minister to others. And Lord, as we minister to others and fill their pots up, that you would refill us up and let that cycle become so strong that from every single one of us that are here today, there is an ultimate flowing of your anointing and your spirit and the wine of the Holy Ghost is flowing freely. I'm asking you now, Jesus, to to cleanse the, the, the vessels. I'm asking you, Lord, to walk in to the corners of our hearts and remove the things that are hindering us from accomplishing what you want. I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to transform us. I'm asking you, Lord, to, to sanctify us and justify us by your Spirit. 
Because, Lord, we want to be full vessels, not of the natural, but of the heavenly. Lord, I come against any counterfeit vessel that is housing our adversary who has stepped in as a thief and a robber to overtake and overwhelm. I'm binding that vessel up and I'm commanding it to be silenced by the authority of your word. And I'm loosing, God, your hands and your mercy and your grace into the lives of your people. In Jesus' name. My cup, Lord, I lift it up, Lord, come and quench this thirsting of my soul, bread of heaven, fade me till I want no more. Here's my cup, fill it up and make me. If you know that, would you just sing that as a prayer? Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord, come and quench this thirsting of my soul, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no my cup fill it up and make me whole